0: I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 53 of Season 6 of Movie Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today uh, is someone who needs no introduction, Alan Sanders of The Alan Sanders Show. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. Yeah, especially with this downpour going on, you know, and uh, people driving with their windows open. Yeah,
1: it's really weird. It's a strange way to do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe in
0: 1933, that was something that people did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was that much harder. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, having to crank down the, you know, the, the window with, with, with the, uh, with the cranker or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Man, a manual window. There you go. Man. No, well, it's called the manual window or uh, no, but what's the, what do you call the cranker? Manual window uh, cranker. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the manual window cranker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I grew up with a couple of cars where if you wanted to roll the window down, you literally had to roll it down. Yes,
0: that's right. And so did I. So did I. You know, and, they, and then my parents got really would annoy us to get cars that in the front were automatic, but the back were not. So when you're sitting in the back seat, you still got to crank it down yourself.
1: Mm. We had a, a yeah. friends of ours had an older car. Not only were they roll down, but they had the little the little triangular piece that would actually tilt and get yes. out.
0: <laughs> yes. You had to, like, turn a little nod, n- notch on it and then, like, push it out.
1: And I kept wondering, well, what's the point of this little window? And now that I'm older, it had to be where you could hang your cigarette
0: out the window without rolling your whole window down. You know what? I never even thought about that. That's interesting. I, I that, that probably makes sense. Or maybe you just like open it to blow the, the smoke out, you know, as you're driving, uh, you know, 60 down the highway. <laughs> yeah. <You know. laughs> I don't know.
1: Uh, strange times.
0: Yes, that is true. So minute 53 begins with George and Mary uh, trying to look at what's going on through the back window and ends with Billy getting caught boozing. So we we ended things on a cliffhanger yesterday for anyone who was paying attention that, you know, we had Ernie say that's got all the earmarks of being. And then we just have to wait until the day to find out what he says. And he calls it a run. Mm -hmm. okay now, do you know what the run is that he's referring to? oh It's not a run in the stocking.
1: No, no, (laughs) no. This is uh, the, the term for when the word gets out that the bank may not be solvent much longer and you literally run to the bank to get all your money out. You're really trying to take all of your money out before they run out of money.
0: Right. Which to me is always like a, a, a crazy thing to think about because, you know, in today's day and age, everything is virtual. You know, so you're not going to think about the fact that the bank is going to not have anything there. I mean, they're not; they don't have to have the money, you know, physically there. You know, when you go, we see in movies, you know, people go and they they take out a million dollars from the bank or whatever it is, you know, and, and ice movies and stuff like that. You know, and it makes you wonder, okay, how much money, how much cash does a bank actually have to have along the way in order to be able to pay things out? Hmm. You know, because most of the money there is credit. You know that that's the whole idea here. I mean, that's also how the saving, uh, the the building and loan works. It's the mm-hmm. same way. You know, the, you're you're not necessarily dealing with cash. That's why it really surprises me in the future here. You know, and in, in, we're going to talk about this in a few weeks from now. You know, the whole idea of the eight thousand dollars. I mean, like, what the hell are they doing with eight thousand uh, dollars in their in their bank if 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 it's all you know. Either, either you keep it in the vault, and you know that this is the amount you have. Like, where would they get an influx of eight thousand dollars that they say, oh, "Well, maybe we should go put this in the bank." You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, th- these are just th- these are some of the questions that people that I at least will ask about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some some people just gloss over it. They say, "Oh, okay, eight thousand dollars, no big deal." I don't know. Now, no idea.
1: This movie obviously takes takes place over a series
0: of years. Yes, from 1919 all the way to 1945. So, so it's a period are, of 26 years. We're at the point in the timeline
1: prior to the FDIC existing. So, uh, that is correct. So, it makes sense that if you hear that the bank is suddenly, and I, and here's the thing, I know what you're saying. Well, if you have all this money coming in, the bank has to then use that money to do things to earn more money. That's why they pay you interest for the, for the sole fr- practice of saying, hey, let us have your money. We'll hold it for you safe. We'll give you interest on that for letting us hold your money, use your money to do other things. And if you're doing proper sure. banking techniques, you're going to make money. The bank makes money. You make interest. But when you would hear about this prior to the FDIC, if for whatever reason people got spooked, and that's the thing, it may not even be a real run or, or that the run is legitimate. It's, there's a real run. You would have somebody could spook the town, and think, "Oh my God, the banks run out of money. I need to get my money out," and so you actually cause the problem by actually taking your money out.
0: Correct. <laughs> These scenes are taking place in in early nineteen thirty three. Okay, because uh, you know Harry came back from school and and proved that he was uh, and and told everyone that he's been married to to Ruth. That happened in thirty two. And then that same night was when George went to go over to Mary's and then afterwards, you know, the next scene basically is their wedding. So we know that their wedding is sometime in the end of 32, the beginning of 33. But the reason that I actually know this does take place in the beginning of 1933 is because there was actually a bank run in February 1933. So my assumption is, is that's what they're, they're specifically talking about here. I mean, again, it's, it's guesstimation. There's there's no way of knowing if in Bedford Falls had the same uh, you know bank run that everyone else had. I don't know if it was something that was national at the time or anything like that. But you know, in February 1933, there there definitely was a a bank run that happened. So it's very possible that that's, that that we can specifically say that this happened at that time. You know, again, it doesn't matter specifically.
1: I know that the FDIC, well, the for those folks, Federal Deposit Insurance Program that the federal deposit uh, program didn't go into effect until January of 1934. And I know they had to do it because there were so many problems with the banks out of the stock market crash of 1929 and all the other issues as we were going through the Depression. They needed to restore the confidence in the banks, and so they came up with this idea. Well, up to, I think, the first $2,500, if you put that money in the bank, if something happened, you were guaranteed that there was insurance that you would at least have your money. So if you saw people all of a sudden panic withdrawing, you'd be like, "Well, I'm okay. I'm under the cap. I know I'm insured." And it was this—it was a right. program which we still have to this day, by the way. I think it's upwards of fifty thousand now instead of twenty five hundred, but it's a—it's a way of saying, "Hey, even if there was a, a, a hiccup in the economy and a bunch of people withdrew their money, your money up to this cap level, whatever their insurance level, is safe."
0: Right. Exactly. And um, I mean, the 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 fact that this this run is is happening right now, we'll, we'll get more into it later in the week about about what is really going on here and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's just George and Mary's luck that it happens to be on the day they got married.
1: <laughs> well, not, now we're getting to the irony of it pouring. Uh, you yes, know, uh, it's very symbolic that when it rains, it pours and we're seeing it.
0: That's right. That's right. And as a call out to next season, you know, it's it's raining dogs and cats out there.
1: <laughs> dogs and cats?
0: Yeah. You've seen Die Hard 3, haven't you? Yes. That's what they say, dogs and cats. And that's I, how, you know. I,
1: oh, I didn't know if you were being coy. <laughs> if with the, no, no, no. I don't no. Know if you already said that you were releasing what, or what season three was. So I didn't want to give anything away. I was just purposely saying. Season
0: seven. Seven.
1: It, <laughs> it's backwards. Because normally people say it's raining cats and dogs. That's
0: right. Yes, we we will get there next season where we will we will dissect that actual phrase. you'll, you'll have to come back next season for that one. All right, <laughs> hey Zeus. Hey Zeus. <laughs> Somebody called you. Hey Zeus. No, he said, "Hey Zeus." <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Exactly. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, okay, so how uh, I I can only give obviously the information from today because you know 1933 they didn't have this information, but but how. How much cash is a bank supposed to have on hand?
1: Oh, I honestly don't know.
0: Because there, there's there's an idea called uh, um, reserve requirement. And there, so their, their ratio should be 10%. You know, I, again, I don't know if all banks really will hold 10% because it could be uh, quite high. You know, that, that could be a lot of money.
1: Yeah. And at, in our current age, because so much of this, if you wanted to, re, let's say, let's say you had $50,000 in an account and you wanted to withdraw it all, they may not have 50,000 in cash. They'd give you a cashier's check to transfer that money
0: somewhere else. Correct. But, but the truth is they actually changed that up, up until recently it was 10%. And now the federal reserve for some reason lowered it to zero that the bank doesn't have to have the money there. You know, which just really blows my mind. I mean, again, uh, we're not going to get into politics here, but <laughs> that could be part of it. <laughs> you know, the I mean, and this I also, is something we, that that we we don't walk around
1: with cash anymore. So I don't think a lot of people feel like if I have to withdraw my money, I have to go get stacks of of, of bills. I think people just think I'm going to transfer my money, and and I know when I closed an account, I did this. We uh, decided to change banks because it had been bought out by somebody and then bought out by somebody else. And the customer service went to just, it was terrible. And I was like, you know what? I've, I know all the other people who work at the other bank. That's actually a community bank. I don't know why I didn't transfer it sooner. I just went over there and said, yeah, I want to shut my accounts down. They didn't even try to talk me out of it. I was waiting for them to go, why is there something we could do? Like, they were like, okay, just cut me a cashier's check. And I was done.
0: Right. If that works, why not? That's true. They can give you a cashier's check. It doesn't have to initially even be transferred. You know, most most people are not going to walk into a bank these days with a briefcase and say, "I'd like a million dollars in cash." Uh, you know, I'd like to withdraw all the money that I have, and they give it to me all in cash.
1: First of all, by the current laws that exist, more than ten thousand are going to say, "We need to know what it's for." That's right.
0: That's right. <laughs> uh, just uh, you know,
1: <laughs> we call those now, who knows just activity reports. <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> exactly. So basically, as I mentioned before, that this minute begins with, you know, we hear Ernie's voice where he says the, the the term a run, but we see George and Mary's eyes, you know, looking through the back, the rear window, the rear window. There you go, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window. No, come on, can't be, can't be. Nah, no, I don't think so. Uh, so. Yes, they are looking through the rear window. We're just we're listening to the the rain falling. And, we're, you know, the, both of them have this strange look on their face as if they're trying—they're very puzzled trying to figure out what's going on. But as as we know, George is going to figure it out real quickly. George, George has got a very quick mind about these things.
1: I think George feels like he's got a little more concern. She looks a little more like, I've never seen this before. But I, I have to wonder. Is it because that they've never seen our actual run and they're seeing it take place? for the first time in their lives.
0: Right. A run bank. Be. Right. Right. And then the 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 uh, shot changes and we get a shot of people standing outside the bank. We know it's the bank because we see a big on the top it you know it says Bedford Falls Trust. Mhm. So we know it's uh, the bank and it's on the corner of uh, Genesee Street and Washington Street. And I mean you see just tons of people standing there with with umbrellas. You actually see some people without umbrellas and you also see a bike just thrown on the side there you know Mm -hmm. "Ah, someone someone just threw their bike down and uh, ran inside i guess or ran to to go there and then the shot goes back and we see mary look at george quizzically trying to figure out what's going on and then the shot changes again real quickly and we're outside and it doesn't look like it's raining anymore even though everyone is walking around with umbrellas and someone walks past ernie and goes hey ernie if you got any money in the bank, you better hurry. And then Mary tries to actually convince them to to to, to keep going. She yeah. goes, uh, "George, let's not stop. Let's go." Just a minute, dear. Oh, oh, uh oh. Please, let's not stop, George. And and George already his mind is racing. He knows what's going on here. You know, he's he's sure that this is bad. Well,
1: you know, and he can't. Obviously- he can't just leave. Because of the way his lending institution, his, where he works, if the bank is having a run, that means every debt that that bank has to them, they're going to want to cash it in to try to come up with the money they need to help supply the customers that are pulling all their money out. So that's right. in his mind, he's like, well, we've got a bunch of transactions with this same bank. People are withdrawing their money. Are they going to come after us for how much we owe them? Like that's what that's through his head. And by the way, uh, now we know why the window had to be rolled down. So that way, when he uh, hopped out, she could go straight through and without getting outside and getting wet, she could actually interact with.
0: Right. Okay. that's true. Definitely. Definitely makes sense. This was
1: obviously a note from the director. I I don't want to have Mary come out of the car. It's going to be clunky and take too long. It's a lot faster if she comes through the window just as he gets out of the car. So an explanation for why would they do driving with the window down? They weren't. They just set it up for this shot.
0: Right. And then the shot changes and it's raining again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they just had that, that, that few seconds uh, so that guy can talk to Ernie without the rain. And then it, George uh, opens the door. I always love watching old cars, you know, where the doors open to the back as opposed to the front. Because mm-hmm. nowadays cars don't do that.
1: <laughs> no, not too many.
0: That's right. So, you know, the, the door opens. I'm, I'm trying to think of why that would have been effective at the time. You know, if it would have just been, a, you know, a quirky type of design, can you think of any reason that that would be effective for you to open the door that way to get out if you're in the back seat? I mean, again, we're not even talking about like a stagecoach. Stagecoach I can sort of understand because you have people sitting on both sides.
1: Right. The only thing I can think of is, and, and I, you know, it's ironic, we've got a brand new museum that opened up about a year and a half ago, the Savoy Automobile Museum, and they bring exhibits in, a new one every month to have on um, display. I need to ask their historian because I have to wonder if it's the construction that there wasn't any kind of hinge or because of where you look at where the seam is between where the front door and the rear door would come together. There's like no body frame there. So it must be that it'd be better to hinge it to the back where the frame was stronger versus that little divider. And maybe the construction and the safety standards weren't quite where they needed to be. So it was just easier to put the hinge on the back rather than
0: in the middle. Maybe. Right, it could just be for convenience, but but they must have figured it out or eventually that it just is not as effective.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I That's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> we kind of just take it for granted. We just think, well, that's how they used to do it, but I've never asked why. That's, right.
0: that's right. <laughs> don't know. So Georgia gets out, and it's pouring. And, uh, you know, he, he closes the door behind him because he doesn't want Mary to get wet, even though the window's open. Mm-hmm. And, and the, or maybe maybe he just doesn't want her coming out of, getting out of the car. You know, maybe it's not necessarily to keep her, you know, uh, keep her uh, safe or dry, whatever you want to call it. So she keeps pleading with him not to go. And George is looking and, you know, he reassures her by, by like, touching her hand and then he runs off. And then we see a shot of her looking through the back of the, the rear window once again uh, at, at George as, as he's gone. Now, I love the, the next shot because this is a shot that basically is parallel to one of the final shots in the movie mm-hmm. where you see him just running down the street. Uh, he he, he like quickly glances over to everyone at the bank, but he just runs past them you it know, well, continues
1: before we get to this and it's a great running tracking shot but what i liked about jimmy stewart he looks over when he when he first is looking out like what's going on you know he's looking initially toward where the bank is we've established the bank then he looks up on the street like, like he he averts his gaze almost to like the same side of the street he's on and he's looking we don't even know anything about this yet, but he, as the actor, gave us the idea that he was initially looking at the bank, then looking at something else, and that's what makes him say, stay here, Mary, I'll be right back. So that's right. I love that, because that that small, subtle thing as an actor, and he does, you know, I was mocking him yesterday for his goofy lines and look at all this money, and count us, and look at the kitty, and blah, 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 and all this nonsense. This little moment, I'm like, ooh, he suddenly grounded he's back to reality and it's serious and it's serious in the space of like a blink it is so good and
0: it's a great fake out to us because we think he's concerned about the bank right when he's not right. well he is but he's in a roundabout way he's right but concerned yeah, about we will we, we'll
1: back we back into that but he gives us that look like we realize okay what else is he because he's obviously and then we see the tracking shot he's running past the bank you're like well where are you going
0: well to the emporium what do you think right he runs past the emporium. Do you know what? Do you know what the the term emporium actually means? No. An emporium is a trading post, factory, or market of classical antiquity, and it's something that has been around for centuries. The the whole idea of of having, you know, uh, uh, trading posts and stuff like that, which even goes all the way back to the early Middle Ages and things like that, where people would use it. They would just call it an emporium. So it's just very. It's very interesting that that. I mean, obviously, this is the you know uh the general store of Bedford Falls you know where you can probably just get get anything you need you know that's the whole idea of it i mean i found a whole bunch of different like explanation so, uh, like names of of things that are called the emporium but so you know, historically
1: would you say it's like a, a derivation of what store or a like a trading post it's a trading post yeah okay that's it's known well, as a I trading post it, but I get, is is it latin is Emporium a Latin word? No,
0: it comes it comes from the Greek. Okay. It, it comes from the Greek. I can, I can tell you the Greek word if you really want. I don't. I don't know how much I'm really going to understand about it, but the uh, em, Emporion. Okay. So. And then yeah, it came. And then it was changed to the Latin. Okay, so first it first was Greek, and then the the. Okay, sorry. There you go. You were correct. So the okay. Emporion is the Greek word, and then it was. Uh, uh started being called from latin emporium
1: gotcha okay
0: okay and the the plural is emporia you know so i don't, I don't know how many you know trading mm-hmm. posts you're going to talk about that way you know but yeah
1: that's cool <laughs> i never thought about it but yeah when you think about the latin derivation being more like a a a, a trade uh a trading post or a, a, a center for trade or someplace where, where commerce takes place mm-hmm. and emporium that's it's amazing, isn't it? If you just break yes. the Latin down,
0: you uh, well, you have to. Yeah, you have to know Latin and you have to know Greek, and you have to know it's all. It's all Greek to me, as they say, right? It's all Greek to me. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, as, as you said, this is a great tracking shot as he's running down the street, uh, which again will parallel something that we're going to see in a few months from now. Uh, when during that the, one of the final minutes of this movie, when he's he's running down the street the same way. And, and then we see what you were talking about. You know, he, he looks over at the bank and then, you know, we see he keeps running and he stays on his side of the street. He's on the left-hand side of the street and the bank is on the right-hand side and he passes the bank, passes the Emporium. And then he sees a whole bunch of people huddled around uh, holding umbrellas, you know, because again, it is when it rains, it pours, as you said. And then he gets, he, he like moves forward and people, turn to him and start parting ways. We're parting the way for him. And well,
1: well, the pause, though, it's so, like, I'm filled with dread for him. Like It's such a wonderful little moment when that tracking shot, because the camera's obviously moving with him, but what I love is as the camera gets to the end of the track, this, this, this took timing. I'm just thinking about it from the, the skill of the, of the people pushing the camera on the dolly. It's moving along with him, and as it gets to the end, the camera, to help continue the movement, then turns and follows him, and then he comes to a dead shot. He's center in the frame, looking at a mob of people, all staring at him, and I just feel it's sudden dread. Like, everything has come to a stop. And it's almost like you can feel your heart just, like, skip a beat. It's just... And then he tries to play it off. And I love that. He, he, he's trying to like, well, hello, hello folks. How, how, he goes, hello,
0: everybody. Mrs. Thompson, how are you? Charlie, what's the matter here? Can't you get in? You know, trying to figure out why everyone's standing there. And then, you know, he, he realizes that, that uh, you know, the gate has been locked. So he, he reaches into his pants, uh, you know, to pull out his keys. And the, the people basically part ways. Like they part like the Red Sea, mm-hmm. you know, letting him through. And then he he gets there and and he looks up to try and figure out why uh you know why why this is locked he's not really sure at this point now I've always found this funny, and I've mentioned this numerous times on 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 this show. Uh, maybe you have an answer. If the building alone is on the second floor, how the hell does Potter keep getting up there every single time that he needs to <laughs>
1: Maybe there's a service elevator they never bothered to show us.
0: <laughs> my theory is, is that he's faking it.
1: I don't know. That's a really good
0: question. Like I said, my theory is he's faking it. He He's not really, he, he's not really handicapped. He's looking for sympathy. And, you know, he he gets to the bottom there, you know, looks around, looks both uh, both ways to make sure no one's looking. He, he then runs up the stairs. His man brings the chair. You know, and then they quickly just put the, you know, the, the blanket over his feet again, and that's it.
1: <laughs> that's too funny. Uh, a question I have never thought of, and I don't know why I haven't.
0: That makes perfect sense. <laughs> How the hell does he get upstairs? <laughs> yeah, because I don't think they had uh, – well, they must have – they had elevators in the 1930s, but I don't think oh, yeah. the building alone would have had money for a, for an elevator.
1: No, I, I <laughs> – First of all, there is no good explanation. So the only way you can fake it is maybe the maybe his hired help. He's got like the goon that picks him up and carries him up and they bring the and put him back in his chair when he gets upstairs.
0: That's the only explanation that that, that theoretically could be unless he's faking it. It's one or the other.
1: (laughs) I like I like that. He's such a diabolical character that he's faking (laughs) being in a wheelchair. That's good.
0: What a Well, come on! That's why we do this. We do this to find these little things that enhance yeah. the movie so much more because it it shows us, you know, how how evil Potter is. He's even more evil than we thought because he's pretending to be handicapped, you know. Right.
1: <laughs> he's using a fake injury to get st- sympathy and use that to uh, disarm his opponents. And he's like, "Oh, poor me! I'm in a wheelchair." <laughs> That's right. Jeez.
0: <laughs> wow well done sir well done okay so at this point he then takes out the the keys uh, unlocks the door it's a good thing that both he and and you know and uncle billy and other people apparently have you know all the same keys to the padlock in order to open it up that's a good thing too you mm-hmm. know and then uh you know it's i love how the people just look at him as right right before he's about to open it you know they're, they're looking at him with like uh puppy eyes Type of thing like, uh, are you going to help us? <laughs> we need your help. Do something. Mm-hmm. And and then he he opens it yeah. up and starts going up the stairs, and everyone just rushes in after him. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I again, it's it's a great touch because of the fact that it's raining. Everyone quickly closes their umbrellas, and their umbrellas are dripping all over the place uh, as they're climbing up these stairs. You know, so they do that very well mm-hmm. and then we get a shot from inside of the building alone and so we first see Jimmy the Crow sitting there waiting uh, you know, crowing away, cawing away and then George the door opens and George comes in followed by a whole bunch of people behind him and he looks around trying to figure out what's going on and we see Uncle Billy <laughs> drinking
1: yeah, you know it's 5 o'clock somewhere
0: that's right he is definitely he got he got caught with this one mm-hmm. so yes so what what is he drinking from do you happen to notice oh i was before that
1: i was gonna say by the way if you happen to walk into a business especially a bank and you happen to see one of the managers actually drinking alcohol first thing of the day probably not a good sign that's right well it looked like a little flask like a little hip flask
0: that is right it is a hip flask very good it is a hip flask. Now, they're, they're usually made of either silver, pewter, or glass. Um, the only time I've ever heard of pewter is from the Franklin Mint. You know, those commercials they used to have. You know, the, the, civil, even set. the, the civil, civil War, war cassette. Every month we'll send you a piece. You know? Yes.
1: It'll take Maybe. you two and a half years before you can play your first game.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, it takes even longer. Than two. If it's one a month, then it would take even longer. But yeah. Uh, how many wait, how many pieces are there on a chessboard? There's there's sixteen on each side It's thirty-two. So it's thirty-two, 32 months. Thirty-two yeah. months is okay, two, a years. little more than two and a half years. I I apologize. You were correct. There you go. slightly more than two and a half years. But you that's a really you long time to wait.
1: <laughs> we'll send you your first five and then one a month thereafter. For the low, <laughs> low price of nineteen ninety-nine a month. <laughs> look at the exquisite detail of these hand-carved pewter figurines. <laughs>
0: I got to tell you, as a kid, I was always fascinated by it. You know, oh, I, yeah. I never thought I never thought to buy it. But I used to love watching the commercial because they really were detailed. And now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, that would be so cool to actually have a chess set like that. You know, not that I would want to pay so much money for it. That's a separate issue. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> but just to have, you know, I think you need to find like a a used one that you could probably get. Uh, you know, that they'll, they'll send you all the pieces at once. You don't have to get one <laughs> a month go to ebay yeah. that would actually be really cool if you if someone on ebay was selling it and they say we'll send you one a month rather than the next 32 months like, no <laughs> and then, hey you wanted the franklin mint stuff there this is what you got
1: <laughs> the franklin mint that talk about a blast from the past i had not thought of that until you said it, and then boom, here we are reliving the dang commercial. I,
0: I didn't think of it till this till this very moment when when I mentioned pewter. I, I it just, you know. Uh, nowadays, there there are flasks that are made of stainless steel. How how far back do you think uh, the idea goes? Oh, of uh, of drinking. No, of <laughs> from yes, of drinking. Of how far back do people go back drinking? No, the I, hip flask, you I, idiot. Did. The hip flask. Um.
1: I started seeing the hip flask in movies. It always was the the detective stories of the you know the Sam Spade kind of film noir of the 30s. So, did it come out in and around the 30s? Was it right? It was, or
0: was it before then? Yeah, it came out much much. Uh, it came out decades before that. They they started using it uh, in the uh, 18th century. Uh, mostly by the 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 upper class were were using it. I mean, they had similar things earlier. I mean, you know, even in the Middle Ages, there were people that had you know secret uh, you know I guess canteens or something like that that they would you know have uh, I think they were called pig pig bladders, you know that they would have uh, a bunch of of uh, you know they they'd, they'd be able to store their booze in there and stuff like that. But when they created po- prohibition in 1920. There are even some states, including Indiana, that banned the selling of hip flasks. You couldn't even buy one because what else are you going to use it for? No, it's going to be pouring, uh, you know, uh, Coca-Cola into there or something like that. <laughs> so the, the the basic idea is, is that it, it's been around for a long time for, for people to be able to, uh, you know, take a little uh, swig here and there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got three, actually, uh, one that was given to me as a uh, cast uh director's gift from a cast they knew i liked um they they knew i was a bourbon and whiskey drinker and so they got me a hip flask that was engraved i got one from my wife uh one year and i got one from my kids another year so i've got th- 3 that are more about having as a decorative thing than to actually cuz it's not like we live in an age where i'm worrying about sneaking alcohol somewhere <laughs> i can go buy whatever i want
0: anytime exactly I want,
1: but they are kind of neat just like i've got an entire all my kids know I love collecting like real nice decanters to put on my bar. So instead of leaving bottles of alcohol out, I literally will put whatever I buy in a lead glass or lead crystal decanter, which just looks nicer. And I just, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at that point, like, here's my bar. Like, <laughs> now the, the decanters probably cost more than the stuff that's actually in the <laughs> decanter, right. but it looks
0: <laughs> well, it depends on, you know, what, what, how. You know, how, how expensive the, the booze is that people are buying you. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Well, I, so, I think it's kind of neat to not have it in the bottle. Like like the bottle, right. like from the manufacturer, I like having it in. And a, a, something I can pour out looks a little nicer.
0: And then you can like water it down when you're giving it to people. You know, and they won't know <laughs> the difference. <laughs>
1: First of all, I don't give it to anybody else. It's just for me. So
0: <laughs> that is true. No, See, I, my, my episode in silverado was all about watering down the the, the booth yeah. so yeah
1: <laughs> i remember that scene very very well
0: yes <laughs> so usually in in uh you know in pop culture the whole idea of seeing a hip flask is mostly used for comedic purposes uh you know usually when someone is drinking in an inappropriate situation where you couldn't really have a bottle or or a, a glass Or stuff like that so there are a few there was even an instance in the the tv show two and a half men where charlie sheen's character was was drinking alcohol from a hip flask uh, at a funeral you know nobody would really you know (laughs) it's so funny you say that because as soon as you said
1: it's usually used for comic or comic relief i think of the movie poltergeist where the lead researcher after dealing with the ghosts she has a hip flask with her and (laughs) offers mom a drink
0: there you go Makes sense. Um, in the, the 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 Family Guy, so the the main character Brian, usually for the first few seasons, he always has a hip flask on him. Brian, <laughs> the intellectual dog. Yes, <clears throat> and there there are a few occasions on The Simpsons where Homer drinks for a month. Yeah, it th- doesn't happen that often, but but there, there are some scenes. There's even one where uh, where Bart uh stole stole it and takes a quick sip from it or something like that <laughs> so yeah but uh, basically uncle billy is is you know we'll we'll find out tomorrow why he's doing this but you know he wants to keep himself uh, occupied
1: <laughs> i have an educated guess <laughs> based on everything <laughs> that got set up in this minute um i do as much as i hate it and i I'm, i can't you know enforce it enough the way Jimmy Stewart chose to behave in the backseat of the car. I'm so glad we didn't get that throughout the whole movie, because this is what sells his ability to be able to not only be believable throughout the movie as aging, but that inner struggle trying to be the good guy. When the forces of the world seem to be always pitted against you. We get that sense right here. This idea, this all of the people, it's like everything bad. It's all there. And he's just trying to, and and then he tries to, With the dialogue you just read, like, hey, can't you get in? You know, like he he knows. Like he knows in the pit of his stomach, this is not good, but he doesn't want to tell the people he knows. And he's trying, like, his best acting is he's acting like there's nothing wrong to them.
0: That's right.
1: And it's right. Little does he know that
0: everyone's going to see Uncle Billy, you know, taking a swig.
1: (laughs) He doesn't. He's like, uh, like a little record needle scratch <laughs> Like what's that's going right. on But what I, I I told you this before that I didn't see this movie Until I was much older I didn't see it when I was a young Kid or even a teenager And I kept waiting for well when is there going to be Some kind of drama when is there going to be something Because that's just how my brain worked at that Point in time I didn't I didn't want just A bubblegum, you know cotton candy Movie I, and then this is where I felt It and even going back and rewatching It getting ready for this and I love the fact that we have this week, not just because of my daughter's wedding, but to me, this shows how in an instant we can go from over the top, goofy, near. I mean, it's, it's almost like ridiculous acting in the backseat to what we what we get out of Jimmy Stewart, the guy that would be always considered one of those leading men kind of Academy Award nominee performances in everything he does. We get that here. And I love it.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. I really do. Um, and that's all I have for I mean the the last thing we see is that that he he quickly closes the flask before anyone can really he's hoping nobody saw him. <laughs> and and that's the way this minute ends. Medicinal purposes only. Of course. Of course. Completely. Why why else would there be that? Yeah. So do you have anything else for, for this minute, Alan? No,
1: I just I, I, I... I think it bridges beautifully into tomorrow and I can't wait to find out what more will happen to explain what's going on with all the people that couldn't get into the, uh, to the Bailey brothers building and loan.
0: That's right. Okay, great. So every Wednesday we have a segment called it's a wonderful Wednesday where the idea is, is that ever in the 78 years since this movie came out, there have been uh, numerous uh, movies, TV shows, comics, uh, anything you can think of that have basically copied the the basic idea of It's a Wonderful Life and used it, to, you know, and, and tried to use it in, in its own way. You know, sometimes it could be maybe a TV show that that, you know, what would happen to the character if, what would happen to all the characters if the main character, you know, was no longer around or anything like that um so you know sometimes i deal with uh things that deal that uh you know with with uh, movies or tv shows that deal with parallel universes and stuff like that you know or like skews in the timeline and stuff like that but this week i actually decided to choose something that uh alan probably remembers in general you might not remember this particular episode but you definitely would remember the show so as as a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s okay Coming home from school every day, you know, you you knew that there was something that was going to be on maybe once a week or something like that uh, in the afternoon. Is there anything that that comes to mind when you think of that? Well, there were
1: a lot of shows I'd love when I come home from school. I grew up where I could watch Ultraman or I would watch uh, when I was a younger kid. There'd be like Sesame Street or Romper Room or uh, you actually had uh, what was the guy? Uh Mister Green Jeans
0: and uh, oh, uh, Captain Cap- Captain Kangaroo. Kangaroo. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So let me let me let me try to uh, f- put put a little focus on here. Okay. There was a particular type of special that was on just about every week in the seventies and eighties that always dealt with some very interesting themes. You came home I feel from like school. I know you came now, home it from like school the and there- Yes. <laughs> They, had, yes, they the had the ABC AB... after school. That's right, the ABC after school special. There you go. Now I remember as a kid watching tons of them. You know, I I I, I, um, I think during Plane Change and Automobiles we went really deep into the whole idea of after school specials and we talked about you know all of them. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was it was back then that 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 we discussed it or maybe it was during Die Hard even who knows, but. There was an episode that I came across by doing research about how things are connected to It's a Wonderful Life. And there's an episode from 1982. It came out on September 22nd, 1982. And it's called Amy and the Angel. And first of all, this cast is unbelievable. You have Helen Slater, James Earl Jones, David Huddleston, Meg Ryan, Matthew Modine. I mean, that's just an amazing cast for a 45 minute TV special. The the premise here is you have this teenager named Amy, who Amy Watson, who is very unhappy with everything that's going on in her life at home and in school. Like Megarine is one of her one of her friends, but she she like uh you know causes problems because she's always running after that Matthew Modine is this is the new guy in school. So she decides she wants to commit suicide. You know, she's she's very unhappy with her life. And then we, we you know, the, the 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 movie star or the TV show starts with the idea that you have in heaven. You know, the 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 main angel played by James Earl Jones is talking to uh, another angel, and then they bring a third angel around who's named Oliver, who it's his job to go and help this character Amy not commit suicide. That type of thing. And the the whole idea mm-hmm. basically is. It's like it's a wonderful life. They first show us all the different things that happened in her life. You know, she's frustrated by the fact that she has to take help to help her grandfather at his business, and then uh, run after him to make sure he takes his medication. You know, she has problems with her friends. She she uh, is asked out by Matthew Modine, and she waits for him to come pick her up, and he doesn't come pick her up, and she thinks that that he just uh, you know is purposely uh, dissing her. All that stuff. So she then you know happens to be. it was actually very funny. You see her looking at a whole bunch of shelf of medicine. And we see one that says poison on it. Like, like you do in this movie, you know, at the beginning. And she, you see like, she's starting to contemplate, you know, that she doesn't want to live anymore. So then they, they send this angel down and the angel is, uh, you know, trying to convince her that's not a good idea for her to, to commit suicide, that she, that her life is important (laughs) and that she's, she's misunderstanding things. And then she says the the famous line that everyone says that will definitely make it a, it's a wonderful uh, life theme. She says, Oh, I wish I was, uh, I wish I was never born. So he decides to let her see what life would be like if she was never born, you know? So again, her grandfather is destitute, you know, doesn't recognize her. Obviously her mother also doesn't want to have anything to do with her because she doesn't know her and her friends, you know, bottom line is that she, she realizes uh, not as poignantly as you know George Bailey finds out here, you know how much his life means, but you know it's it's still done in a in a in a, an interesting way. The way that this whole uh, you know story plays out, and then we find out at the end that the reason that Matthew Medine's character uh, didn't show up was because he got into a car accident on the way to go pick her up, you know. But she jumped to conclusions. And and thought that he just didn't want to pick her up, right? And then we find out the, – the, the punchline of this whole thing is that we find out that this character, Oliver the Angel, has been stuck in heaven for 30 years without getting his wings because he himself committed suicide when he was a teenager. And so it was his job now to convince her that she didn't need to do that, which wow, he successfully does, teeth. obviously. Yeah. So, again, it goes back to the whole idea of the After School Specials. For anyone who's a little unfamiliar, After School Specials usually had some sort of theme around them, uh, you know, about teenage problems. You know, and they they found interesting ways to deal with them. There's a message there. That's right. So I I thought this would be appropriate uh, to, you know, to to talk about with you. But uh, apparently you didn't remember After School Specials as much as I thought you would. (laughs) no 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 well
1: you had to guide me there but yes and we both said at the exact same time it was called the abc after school special that's right that's right so yeah i I, I, remember them i remember seeing a bunch of them more than anything whenever there was something i guess our teachers at the time thought would be worth showing the class we would have hey this is an abc school special we want to show you and then we would talk about the lesson so a few of those i'm sure they did hundreds but I remember seeing some of those like in school. Like I think we have had them on suicide or drug use. Um, They
0: did. Yeah. And uh, teenage pregnancies. I remember there were some there and uh, um, yeah, I mean, and I mean, it it was something that was on for 15 seasons. It started in 1972. Are you serious? Yeah. That's a long, that's a successful run. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. How many put out a season? How many episodes? Um, I think it varied for each season. I mean, the first season had six episodes. Okay. You know, again, it was their specials. The second season had seven episodes.
1: Okay, so it wasn't like they were doing
0: twenty season of show. Yeah. Okay, so maybe they had sixty oh. of these. I mean, that's still it's still a nice amount. You yeah. Know, to have for it's not bad. You know, the the fifteenth season, which was in nineteen eighty six, had eight episodes. All right. Oh wow, actually no, it went it went longer than that. Wow, they had twenty-five seasons. I I'm sorry. There you go. <laughs> twenty-five seasons. Wow. Wow. That's a quarter of a century, man. That's, that's right. And then of... and, and the twenty fifth season had four episodes. <laughs> so it went all the What's way to, to that's right. It went all the way to the to nineteen ninety seven. So from seventy two to ninety seven, that that's pretty impressive.
1: That's I I would have never guessed it lasted that long never not at all not not even close i in fact you could be lying to me right
0: now but i believe you <laughs> you can go to imdb if you really want to look if you really don't uh, you know if you don't believe me <laughs> no i believe you i mean maybe maybe they're lying on imdb maybe this is the same thing you know maybe maybe potter got a hold of imdb and uh you know decided that you know he was going to fake that also
1: <laughs> that's funny
0: anything's possible <laughs> All right, Alan. Would you like to tell people once again uh, where they can find Alan Sanders?
1: Yeah, you can find my daily talk show, which is not a long movies. <laughs> I may have a movie reference, but uh, I do a
0: political talk show. You have movie um, references yeah. almost every day. You just don't notice most of them.
1: <laughs> I, well, they just happen automatically. I'm so used to including them. Uh, right. But yeah, you can find the Alan Sanders show just wherever you find your great podcast You can also find me on Facebook, X, Instagram, Getter Truth Social. Although I'm most active on X formally twitter
0: all right and finding me is very simple just do a quick search for move around minute you can find me on facebook you can find me on twitter also and you can find my website move so until tomorrow hot dog hot dog i love you truly truly dear life with its sorrow Life with its tears